the identification of your body. Yes? Form, name, which is a noun. Form, name, Paul, is a noun. This noun is attempting to understand the verb of being. It can't. It's impossible. For it to understand the verb of being, it has to make it into a noun. Yes? It has to give it name and form. Once beingness is given name and form, it's the essence of beingness is removed. A noun is like a chair, a top, a, a body, a form. Yes. Yeah. So once that happens, it it neuters the essence of the verb of being. But all that's reckon needs to be recognized is that you're a verb. You're not a noun. Even what you feel you are is produced by verbing. Your mind is selfing, and it, get, creates a, it creates a sense of being the noun of Paul, this body and this brain, yes? So the selfing produces the noun, yeah? When this is seen not to be you, you're a verb, and then you can understand the verb of living, because now you are a human being, yes? You're being now, and there's the being, and the being and the being can understand. But when you attempt to stop in being and then try to know it, the being is like, it's sort of like putting a flag in a river. Yeah? Here it is. This is the river. And then there's the water constantly changing underneath it. That's the beingness. We want it to be called a river. We want to understand it and know it as a river. But the, the essence of the river is movement. It's being. Yeah? You can't put a flag in a river and say, this is the river, because it's a verb. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. This is me, this body and this brain. This is Paul. And this is what I'm going to think about the rest of my life, is this. But this is a verb. The underlying nature is a verb. We are consciousness in contact here. We're in contact with what it appears to be things, sounds, visions, smells, and touches. Yeah? We touch, feel, taste, smell and hear, and even see thoughts. So we're in, we are conscious contact. The way the head sees it is we're in conscious contact. In other words, Paul is in conscious contact. I don't see it that way. Conscious contact is what we are. We're not the mind story of conscious contact, which is Paul is in conscious contact. So the hearing happens, yeah? Hearing happens. You don't choose to hear. The ears are working, yes? There's a consciousness that's animating you. And if there's a noise out in the street, you're going to hear it. Now, your mind may go, I didn't want to hear that noise, but you heard it. Yes? Because why? Consciousness is happening. So there's hearing, there's seeing. If I look out a window and my eyes are open and a bird flies by, I'm going to see the bird. There's no choice in the matter. If I'm staring out the, out the window, my eyes are open, and a bird flies by, I saw the bird. There wasn't I saw the bird, seeing the bird actually happened. The way the head takes it, interprets it, is I saw the bird as I this. But this doesn't see the bird. And notice the I. The I facilitates the seeing of the bird. Because if you were dead, they could take your eye out, which isn't seeing anything, and put it in someone who's alive, and your eye would see again. So it's the facilitator of seeing. Your eye isn't seeing. Yeah? If you took... If you died, Patrick, I died, and this, nothing happened to my face, they could take my eye out and put it in your head, and you would see through the eye. Yeah? 
consciousness would see through that eye. This is like a lens. There's no, it's not seen. Yeah, it's it's not seen. They're seen. Yeah, the head, the conditional head, without language, goes. I'm seen. So the major movement of selfing, if you want to see it as a movement, yeah, because it is a verb. The major thrust of selfing is the claim. So selfing sees sees something. I saw it. Here's something. I hear it. Taste something, I tasted that. Felt something, I feel this. Yes? Smell something, I smell this. So every act of conscious contact, it claims. Yeah? And the language reinforces it. Every time you note seeing, you go, I saw it. Don't you? Even if it's not said, the feeling is, I saw that. Yeah? I as this. You have to look at what the eye is representing when the eye comes up. The eye is usually representing this as you. Yeah? Name and form. So this eye saw that bird. Hundreds of times all day, that's the selfie. All day, with every scene that occurs, your head presents that event as I saw that. Yeah? Everything you hear that you're aware of gets claimed as I heard that. Everything you feel Body sensations or something you've touched, or an emotion, yes? You say, I had that emotion. I felt that. Yeah? Everything you smelt, same. Everything you saw, thought, felt, same. Whatever, all of it. The head is claiming it all. It is so busy all day selfing, because there's so much conscious contact that it has to cover every fucking base. Because if it rested, you would sense seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, even noticing thoughts, and there would be a sense or an intimation of the consciousness that's allowing that seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching to be entertained. And you would be getting, not you, but in this, there would be a remembrance of what you are. You would be, as Buddha said, you would be seeing while seeing, hearing while hearing, feeling while feeling, tasting while tasting, smelling while, while smelling. Yes? You would be the conscious contact. Being, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. The, the selfing is the mind's interpretation of that event by claiming it, going, I heard, I saw, I felt, I think, I do, die, 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 die. Yes? From that point on, the attention on the conscious contact is removed and put into selfing. Yeah? And then one, one basic conscious contact overdevelops on everyone else, on all the others, which is thinking. Now, your awareness or attention is sort of locked in a little movie theater called your head, where selfing is starring. Yes? And you're seeing all the thoughts... Yeah? that you claim to be yours, and then those thoughts are injected by all these meanings that you represent. When you say Mitch, Mitch has old ideas and beliefs and guilts and shames and everything like that. And those, 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 all those old ideas and everything get injected into the thought that you become aware of because it becomes my thought or it's about me. And suddenly, that thought is corralled and is used in the reinforcement of the identification. This is like the instantaneous slavery that's happening every day. And the slavery is, is the chains have to be applied every moment. Because 
If you're awake in any moment, you realize the freedom that is inherently what you are. So it has to constantly be applied and reinforced every day until you go sufficiently out to lunch that it can loosen up. Yeah. So now you don't have the thought every day when you see something, I saw that. There's the feeling that I saw it. Yeah. The belief is already in place. So here's your little self-centered tunnel vision, and you're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. But right underneath it are two old ideas. Like AA says, you've got to let go of all your old ideas, the result will be nil. Well, these are two motherfucker old ideas, which is, I'm the thinker of these thoughts. Yes? I'm the hearer of everything that I've ever, this body's ever heard. I'm the, I'm the seer of everything this body's ever seen. I'm the feeler of everything this... And it hasn't been the body that saw it anyway. It's been consciousness, but the head claims it, yeah? So I'm the thinker, I'm the seer, I'm the feeler, I'm the taster, I'm the toucher, or the thoughts are about me. Yes? So there's two old ideas that every thought that goes by are held by those two old ideas. So either you're thinking, you think you've thought it, or it's about you. Or somehow it's about someone else in relation to you as what you're not. Yes? So your whole world is contrived by thought. So the thoughts are going around all day. The head's claiming every one of them with a my, and then those thoughts are part and parcel of your constant slavery to selfing. Yes? This is about starting to tell the truth. Now, some people say, just realize all there is is this conscious contact. You are that, and that's that. But what I'm saying, in a way, is going the other end, which is, let's question the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the self. Yeah? Because I found this people may not be able to entertain so easily. All I am is that conscious contact. But they can start entertaining that some of the thoughts aren't theirs, some of the thoughts aren't about them. Yes? They can entertain that maybe a lot of these feelings are alcoholic feelings. They can hold that. They can... Hold all that stuff, all the claiming, in maybe a different way. And what will happen is, when they entertain, it's not about you, about the self, that the thought that you're having isn't about you, it's about something. You'll lose interest in that thought. You'll lose interest. Because I believe inherently, all we have is a major drive that causes us to be interested in whatever we think we are. And actually, even more, whatever you really are has much more power than when you're thinking you are. But not in our life most of the time, because thinking is now the supreme way of knowing here. Yeah? So we believe, we think, therefore I am, like this old French philosopher said. What a fucking mistake to me. We think, therefore I am. No, you are, therefore there's thought. Yeah? You can have thought... Thought cannot happen without awareness, but awareness can happen without thought. That's the beautiful thing. So thought does not come first, and it doesn't verify your existence. Your existence verifies your existence. It doesn't need to be verified by thinking. Yes? But the way we've gone is we've left the conscious contact, and you had so many. You've had a sample of it today, tons of samples of it today. Because every day, the underlying basis of all experiences is consciousness. So every moment, you seem to be seduced by the trance, the solution is available. Just to wake up to the fact that, hey, hearing's happening, seeing's happening, feeling's happening. What does that verify? Consciousness. Yes? Consciousness. 
Not that I am conscious, because then I can entertain I cannot be conscious, which most of the people are doing right now. They're busily entertaining they're not conscious. They're busily entertaining it. Some may want to become conscious, but they're really verifying that they were unconscious. What I'm saying is all there is is consciousness, in fact. There is no you to be unconscious, and there's no you to get more conscious. So the real relief is from all the shenanigans of the you. And you just rest in the fact that no matter what heinous act you've ever done, no matter what terrible thought you feel you've ever thought, no matter what feeling you had that you feel so guilty about, none of them has affected the basic state of living for you, which is consciousness. You were conscious of that heinous thought, just like you were conscious of the Virgin Mary of a statue. The same consciousness saw both. But the seeing both doesn't affect the seer. Yes, the consciousness is clean. You can't diminish it, you can't stamp on it, you can't cripple it, because it's, it's, there's no form to it. It's just all there is. So we're going both ways. We're attempting to say this is the basis of everything, which is conscious contact. And what's causing us not to be able to entertain that cleanly is we're identified as selfing. Yeah? We're identified. It. In other words, there's nothing like called identification itself. It's constantly being reinforced all day. That's why I call it selfing. The, the, the handcuffs have to be put on every second because inherently you're free, basically. So every second there's a gap at the moment of conscious contact then where you are totally free. And then the handcuff goes on as soon as you believe the mind's interpretation. I saw that. Then, yes? So the seeing, freedom. I saw it is the beginning of slavery. It happens so quick because we're out to lunch. But you can become aware of it. But I'm not even saying do that. I'm saying start with questioning the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Because the biggest thing it has is your interest. Your interest is keenly identified with it because you believe it's about you. (laughs) Seriously. And if you can start entertaining it's not about you, that interest will get broken away from it, and will maybe go into the spirit, let's say. Maybe it will go into the conscious contact. And when the emphasis shifts, there's your immunity. And I believe the emphasis can shift at any moment. The first time you entertain your other self, or maybe the 8,000th time, it, I don't know which is going to be the lucky charm, but any one of them can cut the, you know, break that, and now the emphasis, even if it's one, one zero point one percentage over 50%, it'll change your whole world. It's like a stock option. Once you own 51%, those old committee members don't have much sway. Yes? Because now they've been outvoted. Right now the committee is winning. Yes? The I, me, my. Spirit isn't well represented, let's say. We're attempting to swing a vote over to that spirit. Once the emphasis shifts, you start having immunity to all those things you could not possibly get any freedom from. 50, 60, 40 years you start having an inherent freedom from them because you realize they're not you. Simple as that. If you entertain something's true, it's going to bring about a massive result. Maybe not immediately, but it has to because it's true. And your ability to entertain matched with something that's true is unstoppable here. Look at what, how unstoppable an illusion looks, appears. That's how powerful our ability to entertain is. We can make heaven or we can make hell in the head. 
It's very good at making hell. It doesn't make heaven well, but making hell is a damn good, it does well, and this is it, yes? That's a power. We have a potential. We can entertain unbelievable possibilities, but that ability to entertain has been saddled with self-centeredness, and the possibilities, we've gone through every one of them already. I will be okay. Someday someone will save me. Someday, something, <laughs> something will happen to me. A monk will live on the, in my cellar and the enlightenment will come through the central heating valve. Somehow, I'm going to morph in because obviously I can't get it. So somebody's going to have to bring it into me and slam it into me. Because I am so bad or some, old, some baloney old story. But you're that conscious contact. Yeah. That's all we are until we're not. Conscious contact is all we are until we're not. Everything we've ever entertained has been based on conscious contact. You could not have a world without conscious contact. Yeah? Conscious contact brings everything in seeming to existence, and it is being totally unnoticed and unappreciated this whole fucking day, mostly. People are just tranced out, walking around, hoping that the next gadget they get is going to save them. Or maybe if they had 800 channels, or maybe if, you know, there was... Jersey Shore 4 or something. Something would work. Yeah? Or that girl or something. Or money or the next surfing, you know, expedition. Or something's going to save me. No, the fact is you're okay actually inherently right now. It's just the emphasis is on what you're not instead of on what you are. And every moment what you are is revealing itself by consciousness. You're conscious. You're conscious about how terrible you feel. All the emphasis goes on how you feel so terrible. What's allowing you to entertain that is consciousness. Every, every situation in your life, good and bad, there's been the common denominator of consciousness about it. You were aware that shit was happening. Yeah? Maybe you weren't aware of it, but still there was an awareness. The awareness was that you weren't aware of it. Hey. Hi. Our guests have arrived. Hi, Come on Hi. in. Hi. David, how are you? Hi. How are you? How are you? Hello. Oh. Mitch, right? That's right. Hi. David, how are you? How are you, David? Nice to see you. Mr. Dapper Dave. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Do you remember Mara? Yes, I do. How could I not remember Mara? Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. You're like the most striking uh, couple around. just talking about, uh, let's say, the basis of conscious contact, yes? how it's being obviously expressed through seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And there's got to be an awareness of something to taste or feel or touch or smell or see. The awareness is the illuminating factor. Yeah? The eye doesn't see. The seeing it's facilitated by the eye, but the eye doesn't see. Obviously, if I died, someone could take my eye out and put it into a live body, and then it would see in that live body, but it doesn't see in this dead body. So something actually allows that seeing to occur. The eye facilitates it, but it's not the seer. Yeah? And obviously, the body wasn't the seer because the body's still there, and there's no seeing going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just the 
But, yeah. So the consciousness is seeing, and yes, feeling, smelling, tasting, and touching. And those are the five gates that we have contact here. And then we're in contact with thoughts, too. So we're saying that right at that point is the conscious contact. And obviously, we're not in conscious contact, because that's an interpretation. There's just conscious contact. Then the head, the conditioned head, shows up at maybe a half a second or maybe a nanosecond later and says, I saw, I hear, I smell, I feel, I taste. But in fact, that's a story. Because the tasting, the hearing, the feeling, and all that had already been noticed before by consciousness. This is like a Johnny-come-lately, in a sense. It arrives a little bit later and claims it. goes, I did that, you know. So the hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, which is the demonstration, at all times, demonstration of consciousness, conscious contact, gets overridden by the mind story of what happened, which is, I heard, I feel, I taste, I touch, I smell, I think. Then, from that point on, the story ensues that way. Now, to me, literally, the only real relief is going this way, going back to the conscious contact and seeing the bare essentials of life, which is conscious contact. That's the maker of everything. Without that, you wouldn't have a big story about yourself because there would be no consciousness to notice it. All the thoughts would go unnoticed. There'd be like a play but no audience. Nobody would be in in the audience watching the play because there would be no awareness of it. So, we're saying, okay, that is the basis that we find ourselves as. But most of us take ourselves to be the self, or that feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Name and form, yeah? Name, Paul, form, body, yes? That name and form produces a feeling of being a noun, a particular entity, up here. It's sort of like, and life is really like that river. Being is like that river. Conscious contact is like a river. It's called being. Yes? And it's like us putting a flag in the river and saying, this is the river. I now know the river. This is the river. But the river is really an action. It's not just the water, but it's the movement of the water that makes the river. And most, what happens with us, as soon as this becomes a noun, we forget the movement of life called being, and we want to know it. We want to put it under glass. We want to understand it. We want to get it. We want to figure it out. We want to have it and achieve it. But you can't get the essence of a verb, you know, by making it a noun. By making it the river, you lose the whole essence of the verb because it's a movement, yeah? And life is being. Life is existing. It's a verb. And yet we believe that I, as this, am existing, as a noun. And that noun, to me, is the dilemma, because a noun can't understand a verb. It's impossible for it, because it doesn't have the same nature. It doesn't sense that life is a constant movement. It senses life's happening to me, that I'm the stationary point, that everything is being coming out of and going into. Yes, I'm the, the, the center, the nexus. But a verb, you can't find a center. It's just happening, yeah? Where can you say where it started or stopped? It's just happening. It's just a big going on. So that sense of being 
is lost as soon as this is taken to be us. Because now we're a noun trying to understand a verb. The only way we can understand a verb is to get it, have it, achieve it, know it, understand it. But the best, the only way you can know this verb is to live it. And you can't live it as a noun because the living of it is always claimed by you. The seeing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching, the smelling have been claimed by you. And they've been neutered. Because even while all that experience of conscious contact is happening, we're under the influence of this hypnotic drug of selfing, and we believe that we're the doer of it. But you know, obviously, if there's a noise in the street and your ears pointed in that way, you're going to hear it. There's no choice in the matter. Yeah, if I'm looking out the window and a bird flies by, I'm seeing that bird if my eyes are open. If there's someone cuts a fart in the room, I'm going to smell it, probably. There's no choice in the matter. There's a story right afterwards. And I believe what happens to us is our attention has been hijacked and taken away from the conscious contact, which maybe I believe I lived in it much clearer when I was a kid, and now put into the interpretation of the conscious contact and the story about who's in conscious contact and about why he shouldn't have been in contact with that or what he, sh- what he should be in contact with and all this baloney and ad nauseum spinning out of control. And more and more we get farther away until the conscious contact is called a divine being that's going to save us one day. Or I'll never have to, I'll never experience it unless I go to the Himalayas or I do something extremely extraordinary. And all the while it's being demonstrated every moment of our day. I mean, it's the open gate. It's like they say, the open secret. Or the gateless gate. What the hell is that? An open secret obviously isn't a secret. It's always available at all times. The, the gateless gate means there's no gate. There's no gatekeeper. There's no someone you have to get permission. You don't have to have an authority from high above. You're your own authority, awakeness. It's just something that we've missed. We've just missed the basic simplicity of contact, conscious contact. And it's caused us to seem to be totally unconscious to the fact where now we're making it a a topic to think about, to try to know, to try to nounify it, so to speak, neuter it, and take all of the beingness out of it so that we can acquire it and have it like we can put it on a mantelpiece. I realize something. See that? That's it, right there. You know, like, there's the truth. I caught it, right there. It hasn't moved since. That ain't the truth. Because truth is beingness, and beingness is an action. Going, 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 going. And from that point on, when that moving away from the recognition of just the bare conscious contact, I find the dilemma of someone who can suffer has been definitely emphasized in this path of a person. And it's, it's, it's amazingly how much it can generate suffering. And it can never generate it much out of right now. It has to go into what's not happening to generate it. And it has to, there's, like, maybe if you're lucky or unlucky in life, 20 times in life you had the emotion of fear, the valid emotion, when something was happening right now that was a huge threat to your survival, yeah? So fear was evoked, which is a natural emotion. But most of us are in tons of anxiety. And anxiety is a mental uh, product. It's not a natural response to something, because it's not something that's happening. It's what's not happening. 
you're worried about what's not happening. And there's like a giant field where you can plant tons of fucking worries. It's like the greatest marijuana growers of all time. They've been like hybriding it for years. You've been, you know, nurturing a lovely bush of guilt and shame. And this selfing has been harvesting from what's not happening, bringing so much anxiety and fear and guilt and shame into this moment. And the poor body and the brain believes it's what's actually going on. So it's constantly being provoked into a physical reaction that's like fear, but it's made by mind. It's mind-boggling. It's like we're getting buzzed all day, when maybe a a normal life would have had it 20 times the whole life. We have it more than 20 times in an hour. Just getting worried, constantly concerned. It's destroying the whole apparatus. Our nerves are shot. Our organs are fucked up. Can't even breathe half as you know your lungs can hold about 90 percent more than we're breathing in. We're just we're just getting suffocated every day, and of course I believe we're just more and more prone to the selfing, sort of like a parasite. There are some groups that believe there's all these entities, you know, evil spirits if you want to call them, and they actually believe that the self, the selfing, is like a steering wheel. It makes those it makes it easier for us to be driven by the entities. They can just come in and we're just, come on! And they're just driving us like crazy. Let's have some drama. Let's have some anger. Let's have some incredible, incessant anxiety. Come on, let's have some fun in here. And they just drive us, drive us around. <laughs> but to me, it's like that parasite. It's unbelievable. What a hostile takeover. I remember clearly I was a kid. I don't remember any particulars, but I was traveling late. And it wasn't because... I didn't have a job or anything like that. When I was, I was, I was that conscious contact. When I was playing, that's all that was happening. When I was getting mad, that's all that was happening. And then it would disappear, and happiness would come up almost immediately. It was just on. It was really going like. There was no time to go. Oh, I felt bad today. But no, there was none of that. It was just went on and on and on and on. And suddenly introspection began. And then I started. I outgrew that wonder and awe, and I grew into being anxious constantly about what what was not happening. (laughs) And then the biggest what's not happening, obviously, is you, because you are not what's happening as a long-action, you know, independent, separate self. And then that huge what's not happening, the impending doom, yes? The, the The real hybrid plants... They never even have to appear. They're just lurking in what's not happening. The impending doom that keeps us in fear constantly or in anxiety. (laughs) We're dying for fucking relief. We're enslaved to get relief. That's this whole system. This whole society is about providing very temporary relief and getting us addicted to it. So it makes what's really unbearable somewhat bearable. If we keep lying to ourselves, we just hunker down, hunker down, hunker down. Our life isn't even lived anymore. It's an interpretation based on what's not happening. What didn't happen, what happened long ago, and what's not happening. And all the harvesting of all those crops happening now. So we walk into this moment of conscious contact and we have preemptive guilt and shame. We brought with us every fucking moment from what's not happening. We're already, we're like placing the handcuffs on ourselves now. We're not even getting handcuffed anymore. We just, we just put our arms in the chains and go, okay, let's get through this moment. 
without any contact. So I don't know. I believe that most of the five gates have definitely been forgotten. Smelling, feeling, tasting, touching. But this little porno theater up here is where it's emphasized. We just, our attention just gets hijacked and sit in this little idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and then we just watch the thoughts about ourselves. Watch the thoughts about you, all the opinions, all the f impending dooms and everything. And we're glued to this freaking screen with old jujubes and lousy popcorn. And we just, no one else wants to be in the theater. We just, whew, I just hope I can make it through another day. You've never been in a fucking day yet. You've been in a mythical day. <laughs> but all the while, the solution's available. That's what's the real kicker. That, to me, is what love is. <laughs> Love is, is if, you, if you want to entertain that you're a problem, love will just appear as the solution every moment that that entertaining of being a problem is available. And that, to me, is love. It will outmatch the problem. Because the problem has gaps when it's not appearing to be so, but what's so is always appearing to be so. Because why? It has one quality. It is so. Yeah? What's not happening has, lacks one quality. It's not happening. It really is not happening. You have to use all your ability to entertain to make it seem so. Can you imagine if you took that ability to entertain and put it on the truth? What could happen in your life? Incredible. We're like miracle workers. We can move mountains. We can make mountains out of, of, of molehills. That's a miracle. But we do it in the insane way. We're taking, <laughs> nothing's happening, and we bring this giant Mount Everest of what's not happening, and we plop it down there, and then every day we have to climb that mother. Jesus. And the bag, the pack's getting heavier and heavier. More guilt and shame, more anxiety. Fucking. <laughs> so, to me, there's two ways to approach this. Just recognizing that all there is is that conscious contact, or at least entertaining you're not the self that's causing you not to recognize that. Because if you're not that self, even for a couple of thoughts, if they're not held as yours, you will have a release from that slavery. And you will probably, if you entertain you're not that self, and it is the truth, yes, the chains will be loosened, and your interest or your attention will be freed from this black hole called selfing, and it may go into something else, like what's happening. Yes. It may actually attend to the consciousness that is in contact. And maybe just one day, you'll never say it, but there'll be a sense that I am that, instead of all of this. Yeah. That I am that. Once that's entertained, and if it gets established, that's your immunity to what's not happening. Because what's happening will always trump what's not happening, because it's happening. And what's really happening is conscious contact. And you must be that conscious contact. Because you do not have it, that's for sure. Because you're hearing when you don't want to hear, you're feeling when you don't want to feel, you're tasting when you don't want to taste, you're smelling when you don't want to smell. It seems like you're powerless over that fact of conscious contact. And all you're doing is the mind's trying to circle with a story about how you are the major doer, the major haver. But it's baloney. It's got so many holes. If you just look at it and see, you can see it instead of seeing from it. Yeah. If you can see the thought from the contact instead of what it's, you think it's about, that's the freedom. This is bondage, that's freedom. 
the possibility is offered every time. Every time there's a thought, and that idea of me, that I'm the thinker of it, or it's about me, there's also the awareness of the thought. So the truth is always being revealed where the problem is being made. The proof, the, the truth is already pre-made. It's so. It doesn't have to be made. So it's always there. And in the gaps of making it by the head not to be so, it will shine through. You'll see the obvious after a while. But the dilemma is most people are trying to see the obvious as a self, and that's where the, the second dilemma is, because you're not a self. That's what, that's what usually gets everybody. They really would like to have that feeling, but they don't realize that feeling they want is actually based on the absence of selfing. Selfing can't have that feeling. If it did, it, could have, it would have had it already. It can't possibly have what's brought about by its absence, obviously. <laughs> it's just the fact. So, and a lot of people give up then, because they don't want to entertain the truth if it doesn't have them involved in it. They want to get it. You know, they, they've been waiting long enough to, for the prize. They want to be there when they get it. So we were just saying this old joke by this master a minute ago where he was in a spiritual group and he said, listen, what would you choose, a million dollars or enlightenment? And so everyone was a good spiritual seeker. They said, oh, enlightenment, enlightenment. He says, well, I'd choose the million bucks because at least I'd be there to enjoy it. Yeah? That's the whole freaking point. When, if, if real relaxation occurs, it's not going to be you that it's occurring to. It really isn't. It's not going to be you that it's occurring to. It will be occurring because of the absence of you. You'll be noticing it because you won't be so much noticing the reinstructuring of Pauling. Yeah? That's the second little dilemma because that's when people realize that they only want to want to be free. They don't really want to be free. Because wanting to be free entails the absence of selfing. Yeah? And they may be entrenched in selfing, so they believe their authentic Paul is talking about, that it doesn't want to be free, but that's also selfing. See, this thing will always try to appear to stop your progress, so to speak, because it realizes every step you take in that direction is signaling its demise. And it's not that it's a demise, because it never was, but it's, without its emphasis, there is no self. It needs your emphasis. It doesn't have a life of, an own, of its own. It has your life. Yeah? And it's scared shit of losing it. Because it realizes when you go free, it's bye-bye. When you want to be free, it's riding you still. But when you actually go free, it's bye-bye. Because really, freedom is its absence. And when you're identified as it, you can't entertain that because you think it's you. So you can't believe that it would be absence when the truth became obvious, because you think it's you. But in fact, when the truth is obvious, it is absent. When the truth is really obvious, it is absent. It may come seemingly come back and take you over, but if you ever really investigate moments of real freedom, it wasn't around. <laughs> It wasn't actually having the freedom at all. It shows up later and claims it. I had that freedom. I must, and then it goes and then tries to figure out, what did I do to get this freedom? And now let's say it thinks it got the freedom at going to Macy's, let's say, on Tuesday, and it was in the, like, the shoe aisle. So then it will try to reduplicate that. All right, I'm going to Macy's on Tuesday, and I'll go to that shoe aisle, and then maybe it will happen again. <laughs> because it thinks that it had something to do with it. It was its absence. 
And it obviously can't plan for its own absence. That's the beauty of it. That's why self can't get out of self. <laughs> but when you recognize you're not it, that actually, I don't know, for me it's just become obvious yeah, that its inherent presence is really an absence. That's all it is. Its presence of self is the absence of my attention on my real nature. As soon as my attention goes to the real nature, it's, it's seen to be absent. Because that's its real nature. It's totally absent. It seems to be present when I'm not aware of the conscious contact. It seems to be totally present when I'm not aware of that. When the awareness of that is, gets entertained, it's seen as an absence. It's an absence of this. That's all it is. That's all selfing is. It's like a replacement of this. Your attention leaves the fact that you are spirit, or whatever you want to call it, and now becomes the presence of selfing. When that gets broken and the attention goes back to spirit, then you realize this presence was just the absence of that. The absence of that in my life appears as the presence of selfing. And when this becomes obvious, then the selfing is seen not to be you, because you see that all it is is the absence of this presence, of being conscious contact. Yeah. And the absence is made up, because this is only presence. It's, it's, its presence is a false presence. It's just the absence of that. Yeah. It's like darkness doesn't really have a life of its own. It's just the absence of light. So selfing really doesn't have any existence. It's just the absence of, undis- of awareness. Of, let's say, realization that you're awareness. Once that becomes obvious, then you realize it was an absence of that all the time. It's fucking cool. And then you start traveling lighter here, bro. Literally. You just travel lighter. It's not like anything you work on. You can't work on it. That would be traveling heavy. Yeah, it's just a byproduct. That's why it's difficult to give any routes or maps because there's no map. You're already there. All you can do is sort of play around with invitations, but you're already there. You don't need a map, and you don't really need any like journey or a path or anything because you are that. It's being revealed every second you're alive. Consciousness, obviously, is playing a major role in what I call my life. <laughs> you know, without it, it, the stage wouldn't be illuminated without awareness. So my whole pantomime wouldn't be noted. I would never see it or notice anything because there would be no light. There would be no illumination. So this is just about entertaining that, that illumination. And you see that the presence of selfing in your life is the absence of that. When you attend, the attention starts attending this, then you see its absence, and that's the presence. Yeah? You, see, you see that you're not a self, and that's the presence. Yeah? That's the presence of being awake, in a way. It's available. So, this is like my third day. I've been on the road, David. Yeah. Yes. Jersey and Toronto. This is like my 14th talk in 12 days. Or something. That was Toronto, nice. It was cold, yeah. but it was good. Yeah, we had. They treated me really well. Great food, and we had a, like a retreat. Basically, the same people Friday, Saturday, Sunday for about eight hours. You know, a couple of four, three hours a day, four hours a day. Yes, questions, Mitch. 
Come back. Uh, come back to you. Oh, good. He's stunned out. I'm stunned out. That's exactly right. That's I'm good. Yes, no, baby. Oh, my God. I got to do something. <laughs> You've been doing a lot better by doing nothing, haven't you? That's right. Follow the crumbs. <laughs> when did we lose the ability to respond to results? What happened? How can this story override results all the freaking time? Yeah, it promises results, and you never and you see every all day you live the absence of those results, and you don't get it. Still, you still keep listening to the Greek oracle. Then, when results start happening, you keep listening to Greek oracle, denying the results. So it's it advertises about results, they never show up, and you you keep buying its formula. Then, when results show up, it's doubting it constantly. <laughs> I don't think I'm really getting this. Yes, you're traveling a lot later. You should have, like, before and after pictures every day. You know, it's what you said. Remember I was telling you about the experience at the last talk on yeah, Saturday yeah. that I had? That was a real, I know that was a real experience. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what did I do <laughs> to get this experience. Because you were talking, and it just happened for me. And I just can't figure out what transpired. It just happened. Well, you're doing the right thing. You come to another talk. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, in a, in a very humble way, there's some energy happens in these talks. Seriously. Because the fact is, we're close to the, the head of the nail. Yes? And we're sharing. Sharing it. And something in you and I, and so the I mess, knows it. With you. It knows it. Exactly. It knows it. It knows it beyond reproach. It's just when, after the gold is found, we bring in our little... Miner, and then the miner goes, Oh, this isn't gold. Throw this away. I know what gold looks like. No, this is, but I've been working for gold. No, no, no. Throw that away. Yeah? And so it's like the old, in the old Indian stories, they say, We're like the richest people in the world, but we're acting like paupers all day. And even that, when we do find a piece of gold, our head, this thing, rushes in and says, Oh, no, this isn't gold. This isn't what you're really looking for. And then you keep fucking throwing it away. Results are being obvious and you're denying it. Yeah, but advertising you buy all day. The hopes of being better becomes more important than being okay now. We can't even recognize when things are obvious. The head just overrides that, you know. Hey, I feel good. Something suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> feeling good? All right, let's go. Feeling good? I want to ride that. No, I can't be riding feeling good. I've got to see what produced this feeling good. How can I reduplicate it? Because I actually don't want to feel good now. I want to feel good later when I'm ready to feel good. Right now, I'm not so ready to feel good. Hey, when you feel good, go with it, brother. Or don't. It's not you. But I, I have a tendency to like, hey, your whole life is based on waiting for those moments. So why not ride it when it appears? Oh, there goes another one. That wasn't the one I wanted. Doesn't look like the one they they described in the book. Let that moment go. Let that moment go. No, bro, you're riding well. People tell me you weren't looking so well before. You're looking a lot happier. People are not afraid of you anymore. <laughs> Things are getting good. So don't take your own critique or judgment. You know, listen to someone else because that thing is freaking crazy. It'll tell you you want something, and then when it shows up, you'll shit in your pants because you don't want it. That's what always gets revealed. What you've been thinking you want, when it actually shows up, you realize you didn't really want it to begin with. It's just an advertising. And the advertising has one point. It's selling selfing, not 
the goals, not the dreams, but the dreamer and the goal seeker. That's what it's producing. All the while you're seeking, it as a self, that's the seeker. So it doesn't mind seeking. I know so many people, They, some people I know, they think they've been enlightened three times in this life. Once wasn't enough. Three times. They win one and they go to another practice and they get, oh, I've been enlightened on this and then they're okay for a few months and now they're off to another one. Three is the charm? Give me a break. People find something incredible. Their whole dream is about, and I found this, I would just respond to it. Two months later, they're signing up for another workshop. They never rest in anything. They never really entertain it. They never really, like, check it out. They always like, oh, for Let's keep on seeking, seeking, seeking. When this dropped on me, it was the last answer. It was over. It was done. Complete, finito. You know, because now, all that attention going into seeking could go into entertaining. Because it was obvious. It was here, now. It isn't something that is always beyond my grasp, which is very safe. Yes, it's very safe to seek something that's always beyond your grasp because you're never put on a dime about actually living it. You're always trying to live it. It's easy. Selfing, selfing, selfing. This is immediate. There's an ability that's immediately available. Yeah? It's like you get up or take a shit, one or the other. It's like ding or ding. Yes? I mean, it's all the hoping and putting it off. I have to wait till I'm prepared to know the truth. Give me a break. You don't need any preparation. You're in the conscious contact. Yeah? That's what happens. You don't you can't wait to get prepared. It's not, oh, I'll be right with you. No, it's now. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, I'm making a sandwich in there. I'll be right with you. No, it's now. Selfing over, but wait, wait. I've gotta go somewhere tomorrow. No, it's now. Yeah, now. Oh, actually, I got a lot of meaning given to next weekend. I'd like to entertain that that, me, that next weekend's going to be so great, it's going to make everything that was unbearable bearable. I don't want to give that up. All right, I see it. Now, now, now. And then you see the selfing, and you see the love of the mind for it. See, people believe, oh, if I could just throw this out, but as soon as they're throwing it out, there's another movement of bringing it back. There's a cherishing of it. You want to be fucking special. You're holding out. You've been holding out all your freaking life, the selfing, because it can never produce the goods. So it has to live on advertising that someday something's going to change everything and you're going to arrive. You're going to finally get it. And then it's going to be fantastic for you as a self. No, no, no. It's like that here-there thing I used to talk about. I haven't done it in a while. So I'm sitting in that room and I'm watching. I got a little, I got a little one-bedroom apartment, you know, and I'm sitting there quite happy. I had a nice time in the morning, and I'm reading this magazine. There's a beautiful layout of a couch. Yeah, I think I used this last time. And there's the couch, and I'm looking at it. And it's pretty nice, and I start thinking what it would mean to me to have a couch. And I look around my room, and I realize I don't have a couch. And I start feeling the pangs of couchlessness. You know, jeez. My life would have been so much better, I bet you, if I had a couch. I bet you I would have conceived my first child on that couch. Why did everyone who have a couch never tell me how important it is to have a fucking couch? I'm pissed at those motherfuckers. All this stuff would go on, and then you start thinking, oh, I'm now going to get a couch. So now, you were fine in the here, so to speak, but now this mythical there shows up, the couch. And it promises so much more than what you can see that this moment is giving you. 
it's got so much more meaning because you're giving it all the meaning it has your head. So now you go, okay, I'm going to move and work towards getting that couch. Not knowing that every second that you notice you're couchless is invalidated. Yes? Every moment, every moment, every invitation that's in the moment, you're basically saying no to because you think the real invitation is when I get that couch. Now you're in the seeking for the couch, and you're working, and you're trying to tell people how great it's going to be, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you finally get enough money, you buy the couch, and then the, the day of delivery is there. So the couch, and you're really excited, and the couch is up pulling, bringing it in, and you have the space made, and you, you know, you vacuumed, and they put it down, and you sit on it, and you try to soak in all the essence of couchness, you know, oh, what it means to me, and then you come out of this blissful three minutes. And you look around and go, Jesus, I need like a matching lamp. Yes? So now immediately, immediately, the mythical there that was the panacea for all the unbearable nows, yes, becomes, that there becomes another here. Yes? The couch being a there, the trip being a there, the workout being a there, as soon as it's met, it becomes another here. And it becomes part of the unbearability. And what happens? Another there has to appear a couch with a light, or a new rug, or this or that. And it's constantly, there's a movement from the here, which is all that's happening, to a mythical there, which is not happening, with the hopes that mythical there will make it so good then, that it will be okay not to be all right now. Yeah. It's called playing God, man. And it says in our book, how and why of it is to quit playing God. And playing God is happening every freaking day in selfing. Every day, on so many levels, this little noggin is playing God. This is just one of them, which is, oh, there's nothing to be found in this moment, but that couch, that will be a great moment. Or that trip, that will be a great moment. Or when I go on my honeymoon, that will be a great moment. But there's nothing to be found in this moment. It's quite boring. Let me just watch 800 channels, or, you know, do this, or play music and do it, read at the same time, and everything like this. Anything to recognize what's happening now, because it's freaking scary. There's nothing going on. But that, that will be great. Yeah? So on and on and on and on and on. And if you had a, a picture from above, you would see the moment you arrive at your mythical promised land, is inter- 90% of the time you're in desert. 95% of the time you're desert. And then you have your mythical oasis, which is a mirage. A mirage, it means it doesn't disappear. It still appears, but it ain't, you don't real, realize there's no water in it. So now you've got to entertain another mirage, and then you have to walk 90% of desert again. And then you see your whole life is basically constant arid, constant dryness, constant unhappiness, unjoy, and unfreedom, with the hopes that you will be free, or you will have happiness, or you will have joy, if you follow the dictates of your head. So it plays God. Just like Moses was, was led out of, the, out of Egypt, your head leads you out of the moment to a promised land all fucking day. And has it ever brought you there? No, it doesn't happen. Praise God, check it out. Constantly telling you how you are. You were this and therefore you're that and you're a bad father and that's that and I don't care how many things you do it's never going to change that belief because I am so solidly convicted that I believe I'm a bad guy I can there's, it's an airtight case 
you're playing the judge, the jury, the defense, the prosecution, and everything, the and the executioner, it's a done deal. It's completely over. Yes? And it doesn't matter how many miracles appear in my face, I will deny them because I know I'm right. Well, I'm a bad person. How many things I do? Never will change the fact. Never. Exactly. Because the whole point isn't that. The whole point isn't to change anything. The whole point is to let this thing play God. Yes? That's what it does. Quit playing God. It doesn't work. How does it play God? It tells you how the day's going to be before you even enter it. Yeah? It tells you how you are all day. How you were. How you're going to be. It's pontificating constantly. And we're believing it as if it's a Greek oracle. We just sit there waiting for its incredible, its next prophecy of doom and you know speculation of something bad happening. <laughs> it's insane. You can't see it. If, you, if you're seeing it, if you're living it as if it's you, your head cannot entertain being free of it. It's impossible. The head, the only way it can entertain being free of it is killing yourself. Really, and that's what some people do. Because it cannot entertain being free of what it believes it is. So therefore it has to therapize it, it has to listen to it, it has to take its commands, it has to get small so that it can survive here. It ha you have to sort of just go out seeking relief for it every freaking day because it throws huge tantrums and makes a mess out of everything. And it's totally, it's never going to be convinced. You, know, you can display every bit of evidence that its way of life isn't successful, and it will still, they'll say it's convinced, and the next day it'll forget. We've done it every time in AA. You know, it says the word convinced. We need to be convinced. I cannot believe how much convincing has happened in my life. It took a huge amount of convincing to get my attention. I have an immunity to it convincing. This head just denies every fact and just keeps on cooking. Yeah? It was only because my body lived long enough that something probably had the chance to change because, man, and thank God I had the ability to finally be convinced. I, didn't, you know, I had no idea it was going to take so much, but it finally happened where it's a done deal. I have no doubt about any life run on self-will will not be successful. I have no doubt that self is what has defeated me. I have no doubt that you have to quit playing God. I have no doubt that self can't get a self. I have no doubt that I'm wasting every freaking second of my day if I'm trying to convince this thing. I'm already convinced here. I do not have to convince what's unconvincible. It's a waste of fucking time. But if you're identified as it, you're trying to win it over to the winning side. Come on. Get into the program. Come on. This is No. No. You know? <laughs> Fuck it. Let it go. It's not you. Just get your ass in the room. You don't have to save your fucking face. It's not your face you're worried about, really. It's your ass. But you think your ass is your face. Really? The image it seems to be more you than you. So I don't know, man. Fucking image, yeah. Yeah, you wake up to it. That's what I'm attempting to do. I'm just sharing it. You know, it's just a simple, humble invitation. But I can't, you know, I can't see any other answer than this. Because I went as far as AA could take me, which was obsession with self, and I did not find that to be the end of it. So I went a little farther, and it was identification of self. And that's the last answer I got, and I haven't gotten any new ones since. That's been a while now. I don't know. Maybe there is a new one will come, but it hasn't come in about, I don't know, I don't know how many years now. Yeah, but it's definitely the act of identifying a self. It's, a, it's not, it's a verb. Mind is verbing. Right above the verbing of being. 
So the being is the basis, and right on it is the mental verbing. And the mental verbing creates a sense of being a noun. And as soon as you, as a verb, give up your verbness to be a noun, you have no recourse to know the verb. And that's, a, that's this little strategy, because you keep approaching the truth as a noun. That, like, you're going to have the truth. Yes? Like, you are going to get the truth. You have to... When this is surrendered, you realize there's no getting, there's no achieving, there's no having it. Because it's sort of like, how can a verb... Like, how can walking and running, you know? <laughs> They're verbing together. You can't... I'm going to run into walking. You know? I'm going to walk into running. No. Verbs don't run into each other. Like a verb doesn't happen to another verb. It usually happens to a noun, yes? So in the, in the world of verbing, yes, then you recognize what a verb is. It's just conscious contact. You're sitting here, consciousness is watching everything that arises, and that's the sense of beingness. It's things that come into existence, are noted, and that's what causes them to come into existence, and then they change. And then other things arise, other things arise, other things arise, other things arise, and this is the beingness of life. You're in conscious contact. You are the conscious contact. You are that conscious contact. So how can a mental noun understand the verb of living? It can't. That's why they say in this path, that this message, is that you are never going to get it. Stop wasting your time trying to understand it as a noun. Just realize, question the nounness. If you're not a noun, the verbness will become obvious, and then you know it. But you can only know it as a verb. Yes? You can't know it. You, if you could know it as a self, many people would have already, because they spent a lot of time looking. But it, did, wasn't, it didn't seem to be too successful. It's like all those old traditions say, you have to die to the self to be reborn. It's in self-forgetting that you, re- you recognize. It's always pointed out. Yes? When the selfing gets unemphasized, then the obvious becomes obvious. It's not like something that has to take years and years and years. The seeing is perfectly clear at this moment. But it's been hijacked by a way of looking called self-centeredness. Yes? What we, call, what we call looking is directed consciousness. Our attention is directing our awareness to something. Yes? That's called looking. Seeing is just awareness. There's no purpose to it. It's not looking at something specifically. It just sees because that's its nature. Yeah? So here in our world, the seeing is the basis, but in self-centeredness, self-centeredness is a way of looking that we've been saddled with. So let's say when we were a kid, if we weren't forced to look, like if we were in a lot of fear, then you would start looking of how to protect yourself and get out. Yeah. Maybe I, if you were in a, a, a nice situation, then the seeing was uninterrupted. You were just enjoying life seeing. Then suddenly introspection begins and you go to school, and now a new way of looking is presented to you. And now you get preoccupied with a you that you weren't preoccupied with when you were a young kid. Yeah? Now you're saddled with this way of looking. So this way of looking, of course, creates a lot of dilemmas. So we, we start looking for other ways of looking. Yeah? Because we don't know any better. All we know is ways of looking to correct other ways of looking. So we found AA, or it found us, and it's a damn good pair of glasses. It corrects the distortions of self-centeredness to a point where you can at least, you know, enjoy picnics and 
you know, not go postal on people probably and maybe have a relationship longer than uh, two weeks or something like that, you know, starting with dogs and pets, I mean, plants first and then growing to a human maybe. But So some correction happens and you start feeling a little better because some of the effects of the old looking get, get taken care of. But to me, ways of looking are like a form of blindness in a way. AA can be a form of blindness. It's not meant to be that way. We give it that meaning when it becomes dogmatic. Because it's meant to lead to back to seeing again, which isn't natural. Like in Buddhism in Tibet, they call it relaxed awareness. Because that's what conscious contact is. It's relaxed awareness. It's just seeing. And so what happens is for me, AA brought me to the point to entertain Freedom from the glasses, freedom from a way of looking, and then, you know, taking them off, and I saw, again, <laughs> seeing what uh, was available, and I said, aha, this is the whole point of any good pair of glasses that become obsolete in a way. Yes? Because hopefully they'll lead you to entertaining another way of seeing this way. And so I believe a lot of times looking, ways of looking become blindness for us, because we become dependent on them, and we give up our natural seeing. It's not their fault, it's what the head gives the meaning to them. So we say, this is it, this is the ceiling of something, and you can't go past that ceiling, and it has to be done this way. That's all self-centeredness. Seeing is something else. And you are seeing at all times. You cannot not be seeing. Consciousness is seeing. That's what it does. Yes? Now you can entertain having a wider lens and then you can see more. That's all it is, really. You can entertain infinitely. There's no limit to what can happen here. If you're just willing to sort of give up the security of knowing, you know, oh, I know, this is okay, I know this, I can handle this, and be be a little bit of an explorer in a sense, the thing will just keep going like this till you get to that point of I don't know, like in Zen, you know, the highest level, which is I don't know. So you live in the I don't know, and that actually is the highest form of security. It's so trippy. Because selfing, it's all about knowing constantly. People are happy to be miserable, at least as long as it's familiar. If it's familiar, they'll go with misery. They don't want to go into the unknown at any cost, yeah? But the unknown is where true security is. Because you have to be relying on something greater than self in the unknown. Yeah? You have to be relying on something greater than so, so, because self cannot navigate you through the unknown. It does a terrible job trying to navigate you through the known, obviously. Can you imagine if it was going to navigate you through the unknown? You'd really be lost. I, I noticed with myself, myself. You don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry about the words. That the unknown is the most scariest place. Yeah, but it isn't even a place. That's the point. Coffee. It's a verb. Coffee. The unknown is every step, really. Like this. See, we believe it's a place. See, in other words, we made the unknown a noun again. Yes? The unknown is this noun. It's like that dark corner of the room that there's no light in. It's called impending doom. And what happens truly, it's like if we were in this room and someone turned off the lights, it would get dark, Yes? As soon as it got dark, a lot of problems would arise. 
if I got up to get, and if I didn't know where the bathroom was, I may hit this, trip over it, maybe piss in my pants, who knows, I can't find the bathroom, maybe go into Jeff's room and piss on his fucking head, who knows what happened, or I may bump into you and you get mad at me, and all this shit would occur, yeah, a lot of problems ensue when there's darkness, when you don't know what's happening, what do we do? We start getting knee pads, yeah? We start buying maps and uh, flashlights. And someone says, oh, I know, I think I've been to that bathroom a long time ago. Here's a map. I think this is where it is. If you follow these steps, you may find it. I can't guarantee it, but you, maybe you'll get close, yeah? And we're all living in this sort of form of darkness. And all we got to do is push on the light. All the problems are based on the absence of light, yeah? which is darkness. Once the light shows up again, then you know where the bathroom is, don't you? Then I can navigate around this chair. I see it. Yeah? I'm not going to bump into you. I see you. I can go around. But it, when it's dark, all I can do is speculate where you are. All I can do is speculate where I thought I saw the bathroom. Yeah? Or I'm just really throwing darts in the dark. But as soon as the light's on, I can see. That's exactly what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. You have the ability to see right now. You know? But self is a product of the darkness. That's where selfing, selfing lives. It cannot live under the light because the light shows its non-existence. When, you're, when selfing is illuminated, it's seen not to be you. You don't have to be a, perf- a saint or anything to see it. It will see, see, you will see it not as you. Because it's never been real, it just appears in the darkness of the trance of selfing, yes? Once the light of consciousness is put on it, that's what we're trying to do in a way. You can ask subjective questions, which will be helpful, yeah? When you ask subjective questions, our attention goes like this now. It goes out and meets things, and then it bounces back, and instead of going to what we are, it goes to selfing, yeah? So now... The attention goes on selfing, which is all the thoughts about you and your body image and everything else like this and your historical facts and everything like that. So, attention goes this way, runs into things, hearing, yes, and it it moves this way because this is a dualistic place. So everything that goes this way goes this way, like up, down, high, low, male, female, day, night. Attention this way and this way. And this attention is going into selfing. So you're really acutely aware of selfing. Yeah? Like a lot of people are extremely self-conscious. Yeah? So they're, they, they're absorbed in selfing. So when you do a subjective questioning, all you're doing is changing the polarity of this movement. You're just going like this. So the attention now is going outside. Going, What's that? It's now going, who am I? Yeah? So it's pointing back at you. So instead of going, who are you? Who is this? Why are they doing this? this, this? You're going to go, who am I? This energy that was just going into selfing is going to answer. Yeah? Because it's calling, getting called back. So it goes, who am I? This goes like this. And when this goes here, when the attention is on selfing, what meets the question, who am I, is not self. Yes? It's the attention that's been freed from selfing. So maybe the, there'll be an echo from selfing going, it's me, but it's not you. If you just ask it again, well, who is this me? You'll see, like what Zen says, you maybe will get a glimpse of your original face, which is awareness, yeah, not face. Yes. So the subjective questioning can help. 
this is just changes the polarity of our attention. Yes? And so attention sees attention in a way. Yes? That's consciousness becoming aware of consciousness. Not consciousness becoming aware of a thought about what consciousness is, which is selfing. But consciousness becoming aware of consciousness, which is freedom from what? Selfing. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Maybe we'll start up.